1600-KIVA and ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, another edition of the Spirits of New Mexico with, well, Jim Hammond, of course, uh, doing the honors again for us uh, here this week. Uh, sans Kevin, because it's at a different time, but we're okay with that. Uh, you know, we're going to have uh, one of Jim's best friends here and a good friend of the radio station. And I would consider him a good friend. Uh, the few interactions that him and I have had, he comes uh, two of the last three times bearing gifts. Not that I'm counting, but he is a very generous individual, and he's going to be very generous with his time here with uh, Jim this afternoon as we round out the week before Christmas and help you uh, do a little stocking stuffing and uh, get you acclimated to uh, some of the wines that we have here in the spirits of New Mexico. Jim, how are you? I'm doing great. And, uh, and in fact, part of the reason I'm great is because Walter is sitting right across from me. And uh, we've been trying to get together. Well, we finally get together on the radio show. So yes. <laughs> anyway, it'll happen. So thank you for joining me. And also thank Walter, as always, as as uh, Eddie had mentioned. He's bringing a wonderful bottle of wine. Uh, he, he knows that I'm a big fan of Jim Clendenden, the late Jim Clendenden, who was a fabulous winemaker. Uh, who actually had the, the, the good fortune to actually meet and uh, talk to. But this is a Clendon Family Vineyards 2017 Chardonnay Santa Maria Valley and, of course, the Bienvenido Vineyard, uh, which, is, which is where I, I got to meet him. And it's uh, it, it's a family, so it's Jim, Isabella, and Knox Clendon. Clendon. And uh, it's 13.5% alcohol. It is classic. Uh, he, he's been doing some of my favorite Chardonnays in California for a long, 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 long time. So this was a very special thing to have, and we're enjoying it right now, and it is fabulous. So to tell me a little bit about this wine and, and your own association with with uh, the, this particular winery. Well, I visited the tasting room in Santa Barbara several times, mm-hmm. and finally, I think it was in 2018, joined the club. Mm-hmm. And got you know like free shipping on a half case, and so they send me. In fact, I have a half a case that needs to be picked up at FedEx office right now. And Ooh, they, let's they, get over there. They send me a, a half case twice a year, and then you can buy additional bottles if you wish. Right, cool. And uh, yeah, I, I should mention that uh, Walter's wine cellar is a glory to behold. Every, every time we're over the house, I have to go in there and look at some of the bottles. Like, oh yeah, this 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 man has great taste when it comes to wine. So I definitely can rely on him as as being a a uh, authority on this. And that seems appropriate because we're going to be talking about the top hundred wines uh, lists that are out there. Some of you have probably been reading some of these lists, and uh, there are several. Uh, seems everyone's coming up with with their own list now. Uh, uh, James Suckling has uh, the 100 best wines of Argentina. I mean, seriously, really? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do 100 wines there. But uh, the, the ones most familiar to most people probably are the ones from wine enthusiasts. In fact, they have, they have five different lists uh, th- this year. They have the, the 100 best buys for 2021, the best wines list. Then they also have the the 100 best seller selections. And of course, this assumes that you do have a wine seller and you have the patience to lay the wine down as Walter does and wait for the appropriate time to open the bottle. And the appropriate time to open this particular bottle was today. today. <laughs> so, and then they also have the 100 best uh, spirits 
and then the 50 best beers. So I guess they weren't as enthusiastic about beers as they were about wine, which would kind of be me too. I love beer too, but I'm really into wine. So that's one one list. And and the, so interesting thing about that, I just was looking at the top 10 of each list. The uh, the one, this is where the best wines, and then the, the top of the list here, uh, let, let me just mention something about this. So in this wine list, the, the best wines to buy, the average rating was for the first 10, as far as I want to do my math, was 93.55. Average cost was $36.67. Even I can afford wines that have that as an average. Um, so that's actually a pretty affordable list for having really top wines. Their top one, number one, is a Chateau Saran 2018 Margot. Um, actually, I think the first time that Walter seduced me to his house, he said, I have some Margots over there. I said, I'll be right there. <laughs> So I, I think I have Ciron in the cellar. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. good. Uh, and that's amazing. $38 for a 95-point Margot. Uh, is it still possible to get that, you think? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I can remember years and years ago being able to buy that for $3.49. Yeah, that's going way back in time. But, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, back, it's, back in the 70s. Yeah. When, when all of this was... Uh, there wasn't a demand that you had now. That's one of the things that factors everything up. Is it's such a worldwide demand for wine, and that obviously is one of the things. If you have limited wine of you know something like the Margots, or just so many you're going to have around, it means that you're going to have to keep paying more. Plus inflation, yes, has, has been ghastly. So the uh, second one was interesting. It's a uh, Duchi uh, 2019 Ferdicho del Castelli. The Jesse Classico Superiore. Wow. Try to remember that one. You have to go to the store. You have this particular way. It was number two on the list. I don't remember how to pronounce it, but there it is. Anyway, that one was 26 and also 95 points. So some really good with this. The third one is is what you might have some Iron Horse. Uh, are you you're familiar with them? Iron Horse? Yeah. Rings the bell, but I don't have any. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this one was the 2017 Wedding Cuvée. Uh, the estate sparkling from Green Valley. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with Green Valley. It's right in the heart of the Russian River Valley, so it's a sub-region within it, and it's one that does very exclusive, very different wines, and so Iron Horse has been probably one of the, one of the ten, easily one of the, the top ten uh, sparkling wines in the U.S., to, to, to domestic. I mean, they just do. I've only had a chance to do it a couple of times, but really good so that one's 48 dollars but 97 points that's that's about as high as some of the best uh, champagne as far as the points from what, mm -hmm. what i recall um and just going down n number 14 was an interesting one a uh, number 14 Remy rocioli vineyard chardonnay russian river valley i've had that yeah i've yeah. ended that winery yeah well we we, we had a Remy um on our show that kevin brought uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, and that was astonishing. Was, they're really big. That one is a hundred points. Wow, a hundred point wine, seventy dollars. And I, I can remember when they used to be like fifty at the winery, or forty-eight, forty-nine dollars yeah. at the winery. Yeah, well, it's 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 been up there in price for a while, but that's that's a, a really good deal. So the the point is, there's everything all the way around here. The uh, the uh, first Barolo that comes up is a number five slot. Uh, that's a GD uh, I'm not even sure how to pronounce that. Uh, 
that, that's the other nice thing is having if it's an if it's uh, anything to pronounce. I can usually rely on Walter to correct me. French, Any, yes, but not Italian. <laughs> not not the Italian. Okay. Well, anyway, this is a 2017 Rivera Barolo. Um, I, we're we're both passionate about Barolo wines. Yes. I think you have a, I like a number them. of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're really good. Actually, I grabbed a couple the last time because I I like them as an alternative uh, to my Pinots when I'm doing a, a lot of uh, stuff around the Christmas time. So I'm. Thinking about maybe doing a beef Wellington for Christmas. Um, Barbara said she could do the pate, you know, because most pates have onion, which I can't do. So she was going to do the pate. She's good on pastry. I said, good. I can do the meat part. That's not hard. All I have to do is pick up the meat, basically clean it up a little bit. And if you never had a beef Wellington, I, I know you probably have. Yes. And it's I, I fixed it. It's amazing. It's, it, it's just like when you had that pastry and everything on it. It's it's just like the 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 meat comes out perfectly done all the way through, and just melts in your mouth. It's uh, it's it's very rich. But hey, it's Christmas. Why? Well, that's only a week you away. Do a rack of lamb for our next dinner. Yeah, that's that's my my other choice is a rack of lamb. That, that that's probably my my two favorites, and uh, so I'm still leaning between both of them. We'll just see what that's going to be. But anyway, that's these are the kind of wines that will go good with that. Uh, the the Turnbull uh, 2018 cab that comes in a six is was only fifty dollars, which is pretty reasonable for a cab, and that one was ninety seven points as well, or ninety five points. So these are pretty good. So let's take a look at just swinging down from that. Look at the best buys. Okay, so the, these are just you know. For your money, this is the best wine you can get for your 12, 15, whatever bills. Number one is the one I brought. This is a Chateau Saint-Michel, uh, 2018 Cabernet Sauvignon, Columbia Valley. And it's a uh, $15, 91 points, which is pretty good, actually. Uh, someone's going to go for the red, I can see. <laughs> and... Uh, no, you, you, you want to go with, with the white. And uh, we're doing a little little selection of wine here. But the um, that that is, is a really good buy. Now, I had, actually had three choices. I had uh, the Eroica, which came in number 42 in the, in the uh, top wines. And they also had a, uh, let's see, the, the, other, the other one they had was the Chalk Hill Chardonnay. Uh, which is another area I, I like. You've probably had some wines from Chalk Hill, maybe. Yes. Yeah. I've been to the winery. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's a really it's nice good. winery. They were both sold out at Total Wine. So my third choice <laughs> <laughs> was the Chateau Saint Michel. So that, at least I I made one of the lists, and it was number one on that list. So there you go, um, and uh, that's that's actually showing very very good. So if, if you ever have a haven't read the instructions on a lot of these. They're really well done. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing the cheers here. A clink of glasses is always a very sociable sound, I think. It's even better, I think, uh, when it's the holidays because you hear that chinking of glasses a lot. And, of course, I just clink, so I had to sip. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's... Just an amazingly good Chardonnay. Yeah, it's interesting with ones that are specially done. 
that you, the, the signature of the winemaker is on every glass, and that's certainly true of Clendon's uh, uh, wines. Uh, it just takes me right back there. I was right back in the vineyard uh, with with uh, all the great people back there. That's an amazing. Uh, you, you had gone to, to the Biancito Vineyards? No, or you I, had just uh, the tasting room. It's in the, I think it, they call it the funk zone of Santa Barbara, which right. is close yep. to the pier. There's like oh, yeah, eight or yeah. nine tasting rooms within two blocks. It's, yeah, that, that's true. That That's actually Maybe a very productive. Maybe more than that. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful town. Yes. So Santa Barbara. It's a great we, place to stay. The weather's always nice. Yep. Yeah, the, we, we've stayed in B&Bs there a couple of times. It's really a special place. So, yeah. But uh, the, the the vineyards, it's, that's just an amazing place. Uh, you, you you know you would love it. You just go up the main road there, and it's winery after winery, vin- the vineyards everywhere. It's I think the largest contiguous vineyard in California, and transverse mountains, so you get a very long growing season, as long as mm-hmm. almost any place, which means you can get quality grapes of almost anything. They make great Pinot Noirs, great Chardonnays, and yep. Syrahs. Oh yeah, and the Syrahs are also great. Yeah. And in fact, uh, the coupe uh, Syrah is one of my favorites. You probably had that's gone up in price too. <laughs> well, of course, everything goes up in price. That's just the way the, the world is these days. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the um, those were all kind of kind of fun ones. Now, take a look at this. one of the things I wanted to point out to you was. Okay, these look kind of reasonable, affordable. I mean, anyone could afford the Chateau Saint Michel. I actually got that one at Total Wine for nine ninety seven. Which, if you go to yeah. Total Wines, you know the seven means that there's no discount on that. That's it. Uh, but it was a fifteen dollar is the is the suggested price on it. So getting it for under ten is a good deal. Um, now that I've sent this, I don't think I'll be able to get another one there. It'll probably be all off the shelf. <laughs> That's usually the the, the fact. So if we looked at the, on the, these last two, two lists, just one more thing, the demographics. So, you know, where all these wines come from? Well, uh, if we look at the top list, France had 13 of the Best Buy. Um, Italy had 11, not too surprising. Um, and the U.S. had 38, also not surprising. It's 24 California, two in New York State, two in uh, four in Oregon, seven in Washington. Uh, again, the Chateau Saint Michel is obviously from Washington, the largest winery in Washington State, and uh, they've been. Uh, I've been up to visit that. I've done tastings, I think, two or three times at the Chateau, which is absolutely a mind-boggling place. It is a for real Chateau, a beautiful building, a set of buildings actually, and uh, they do over a hundred wines. I, I was just checking the list; they had nine pages of of things and it was about 16 wines on every page i've been to the tasting room in woodenville where the chateau is exactly once. yeah but they also have a tasting room down near the uh the river uh columbia okay and uh, i've forgotten the walla walla room. maybe it's 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 west of walla walla and it's mm-hmm. in a vineyard uh, the name eludes me right now uh, uh, i think it has something to do with horses or something like that horse heaven hills Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's that's, right. Yeah. Horse Seven Hills. They have a tasting room there, too. Yeah. I I remember one Christmas a number of years ago, uh, you you might have actually been. This was one that we did uh, over at the Corrales Road property. And they had the H3. They had a double magnum of the Horse Seven Hills 
for some ridiculously cheap price. But I, I mean, that that bottle went so fast. But yeah, so you, you really can't go go wrong with Chateau Saint Marcel. Just it, they're they're one of the top wineries. They've been that way for a long time. Uh, so anyway, then the other list is is the uh, is is the the best wines, and uh, again, France now has the, has 15, and um, Italy has 18, and the U.S. had 33. So it it dropped down. So our our shares went from 38 to 33, 21 in in California, five in Washington State, five in Oregon. So. Not too surprising if you if you think about it. That's kind of what you would expect. That a lot of the great wines are, we actually have, uh, we're actually blessed by having so many great wines here, uh, that that we can easily get. But it's kind of nice that you have that. Now, if we look at Wine Spectator, on the other hand, as Favre said once in her actually in her autobiography, it, the title was On the Other Hand. And of course, the, the fact that King Kong, she was in his hand. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. You got to think about that. All right. Yes. <laughs> On the other hand, anyway. Uh, so it's it's a, a bit pricier. So if we look at the first one here, Dominus Estate. That you already know you're going to pay money for with with Dominus, right? They're like one of the most expensive ones there. Uh, that one was two hundred sixty nine dollars. Yeah, not me. Yeah, 90, 97 points, 2018. So they said this is tightly packed with sleek, pure, driven notes of cassis plum reduction. Not just plum, but plum reduction and blackberry puree allied to an iron spine. Iron, where'd the iron come from? I'm not sure. Uh, while subtle alder, juniper, sweet bay leaf, and tobacco notes peek in throughout. They, they're peeking in here. So I'm not sure how that happens. Translates in wine turns but there you go very fine grain but impressively sturdy in in feel with a long lingering note of iron piercing the finish okay there you go uh this is a uh, this is uh for the seller cabernet sauvignon cabernet franc and petite verdot so it's definitely a, a uh, what we call a bordeaux blend uh, best from 2024 through 2040. 4,000 cases made. Now, what, what I like about all that is they give you some really good information on it. A little poetic license involved there, probably. Um, but they also d identify the best time to taste it. And again, as a wine as big as this one probably is, uh, you would want to lay it down for a while. Uh, give it a little breathing time before you ever attacked it. And 4,000 cases. So you, you know, the other part of this is you know what the availability might be. Uh, Limited. So, yeah. So if you had one that said, yeah, we have 200,000 cases, well, okay, it's a good chance I'll be able to snag a bottle or two. But when it's limited like that, you know that the, the odds, especially when it goes on the list as number one of the Vine Spectator, that you're going to pay extra money for it. Uh, the number two is, 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 uh, is, an, is from one of my favorite areas, Poyac, and that is a Pichon. Pichon Lalonde? Uh, uh, yeah. Why don't you say, oh, <laughs> why don't you just read that one off? Chateau Pichon Longueville Lalande Poyac mm -hmm. offers a deep well of dark currant blackberry paste and plum preserved fruit that needs time to unwind fully as it's shrouded in warm earth tobacco, singed cedar, sweet bay leaf, and savory notes. 
a ramrod of graphite adds to the strident structured feel. <laughs> Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc and Petit Verdot, best from 2030 to 2050. I, I, I have a comment about this particular wine. I used to drink it frequently when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I may even have a bottle or two of uh, 2002, three, four vintage or something like that in the cellar. But a friend of mine who bought my cellar, a lot of my wines when I moved from St. Louis in 1981, because I didn't want to basically have a cellar anymore. Yep. Uh, she's, they're drinking the 60s and 70s from, from Poyak, and they're still good. Mm. 60s and 70s. Wow. And that wine back in those days was $355 a bottle. I, now they want $200 for it, so I, I can't go there. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of us can't go there. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of these are, you could put on a wish list, but you're wishing someone will buy it for you. Uh, so, yeah, that. The, that that's one that that would make me salivate. Then the next one down there is is Heights, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Again, we're t back in Napa Valley, mm -hmm. uh, Oakville, Martha's Vineyard, and that's a very well known uh, vineyard. And there. how much they want for that? Uh, Two hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, Mondavi's Oakville, which is sells for around fifty now, and I yep. used to get it for forty. Uh, that that's a, it's, that's a good one. I served in '09. Yeah. At a tasting a couple of weeks ago, and the guys all thought it was wonderful. Huh. So you don't have to spend two hundred dollars. No, no, and and to fit well, Heights is of course is is yeah, one of the other. It's ones good. You, you're going to be paying for it. Uh, this throws off an overt and alluring mint aroma. Well, there you go. Uh, the, the 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 mint is one of the things I've always prized in a lot of the Napa cabs. Anyway, it's it just seems to be part of the, the nature that you're going to get that. Uh, while sweet bay leaf, uh, violet, damson plum, not just plum, but damson plum, <laughs> uh, red tea, and steeped, uh, what the next word is, oh, garot notes. Oh, okay, kind of like, interesting. Uh, all glide through together, carried by remarkably fine grain tannins, ends with a gentle echo of mint on the finish. Again, there's that echo of mint. It's all through the, the whole thing. Uh, subtle mint minerality chimes through as well. A stylish and suave wine with plenty of charm now, and but also pristine balance for cellaring. That's from 2022 through 2038. 2,500 cases made. So again, limited, limited. production, mm -hmm. uh, which is what these are. So this is part of the reason you paid the extra. So just these first top six wines, average price, $177.50. Now, the rating was 96.33, so it's about two and a half points higher rating, but you're paying a lot more. So for those extra points, is it worth paying the extra money? Well, and then you got to wait. Uh, you, if, if you have Chateau Pichon Longville, for instance, Lalonde, right. rated 97, that's fine for when it's drinkable. What vintage did, was that one there, Jim? Uh, 2018. Okay, so you're looking at 2028, 2033. Just yep. when the drinking window opens up, I don't, you don't know if I'll even be around then. But uh, yep. you know, it's it's it it isn't going to get ninety seven points unless you double decan it, and aerate it. Oh yeah, you you, you would want to give it a long. You can long. bring them up younger, but that still doesn't give you what age does. And I I remember clearly a phrase we used to use: we'd taste the wine for like from the forties and the seventies. And we go, oh, old library books. 
you don't get that in a young wine. You don't get it when you're double decanting and aerating. That only comes with age. Right. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's... The, the, these are ones that they probably could, could have said this was the best seller selection, too, about the ones we're looking at. Let's see. The next one down is a Priorat, and that was that was more reasonable. Um, 95 points, $49. Hey, now now you're talking my language. And, of course, Priorats, I love. They're Spanish wines are probably among the best value dollar wines yeah. in the market right now. Oh, yeah, and and the pre-rats are so astonishing. I mean, a lot, those old uh, Mufedra the vines that they have there, mm-hmm. the big gnarly, yes. and they just, they make some dynamite wine. So that that one is a Miram Priorat, uh, Priorati. Um, it's a refined and elegant. This concentrated red shows sherry, violet, and anise notes with aggressive mineral undertones. They give it finesse, elements of mountain herb and spice echo through the finish. Grenache, Carignan, and Syrah. Interesting. So that was uh, that's an interesting mix there. Best through 20, uh, drink now through 2033. That's, th- yeah, they, they, they do last a long time. I've never had mm-hmm. a, yeah, have you had any older Priorats like, like 15 years old or so? Probably, I don't recall right offhand. Yeah. I have some in my wine cellar now that are from before 2010, maybe, so I've got the opportunity to Oh yeah. To taste them. Well, if you want something to help you with the opportunity, let me know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, the uh, next one is, is one of my favorite Italians, and that's a Brunello. So this is a Brunello di Montalcino. Uh, boy, I... It, it looks. It sounds like it's a French name, C H I U S E. and anyway, well, we know it's Italian. If it's, 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 it's so it, it's Brunello. Yeah, it, it, that, that we all got. So. I've not encountered that before. I don't think I've ever tasted it or even I, seen I'm, it. I'm not familiar with this one at all, and, and I, I love these. Anyway, it's a pretty strawberry, currant, and cherry flavors. Again, it's usually more in the red fruit area. Take center stage in this taut and linear red flanked by floral, mineral, and tobacco notes with fine balance and intensity on a slim frame. Uh, this is uh, ample yet uh, refined tannins, provides structure best from 2024 to 2048. Uh, 5,000 cases in this one, 1,000 cases imported. So, yeah, good luck trying to find yeah. one of these. Uh, that was 98 points, though, and $99 for the 2016 so more than i want to spend yeah i I had a tasting a couple weeks ago and i served a 2007 uh brunello de montalcino blind yeah so they didn't know what it was and i even further obfuscated the issue by decanting it and and so they didn't know what kind of shape the bottle was Mm -hmm. nobody guessed italian nobody guessed sangiovese I got guesses like Bordeaux and Cabernet. Mm. It was very, very, very youthful, even at 14 years of age. Mm. Amazing. And then the, the 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 sixth one is is one I wish I had the uh, the money for. Uh, Louis Latour, Coton Charlemagne. Yes, I saw that. I, oh uh, boy! Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I do have some Louis Latour wines in the cellar yeah. i have a few but that was back when they were cheaper uh, yeah they've gotten kind that of crazy. actually wasn't too bad i don't think what was the price on that uh, one? two hundred dollars that's you know that's 
for a first a, a quintal show. Yeah, that's yeah. that's for an exclusive. Crew, yeah. yeah, that's not bad actually. Yeah, yeah. but so. it it probably needs a good. It needs time. I'll, every I bought a bunch of '05 Burgundies. Every mm-hmm. time I try one, I still say, "Not ready yet. Not ready." Yeah, and I'm almost out of them. <laughs> well, they basically say best from 2022 to 20. Uh, 29 uh so uh 2700 cases made and 1200 cases imported again so that was uh that's the 2018 so uh, again it it depends if you are looking for the best of the best uh, according to you know the wine spectator be aware you're going to pay a lot more than you would on the wine enthusiasts uh pages from the ones so Part of the intent of this was not just to go through some of these, but to give you an idea of the different examples and the fact that you have two different schools of thought on what are your best wines. And for some people, it should be uh, a good buy as well as a good wine. This is a good buy. The, uh, the, I, I, yeah, I'm just trying. It's, it's opening up. I'm talking about the Chateau Saint-Michel Cabernet Sauvignon from the Columbia Valley 2018 for nine ninety seven. That's a good buy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I totally agree with you on that one. So that's the one I had actually the, the page on this. Uh, so this was the number one for the, the list. Uh, 91 points, Chateau Saint-Michel. Uh, the aromas are unmistakably Cabernet, bringing mm-hmm. full-on notes of black currant along with dried herb and a kiss of spice. Flavors are ripe, luxurious, and remarkably fruit-forward with the oak pleasantly dialed back. It shows plenty of richness in the middle. 13.5% alcohol, which is a nice balance. Yes. And $15 is the normal price. You know, so, $9.97, though, that's a good buy. Yeah. I had a wine recently that I, I shared with five other gentlemen. It was a Trader Joe's Stagsley Diamond Reserve Cabernet. And I was really surprised because it was a 2020 vintage. Mm. And it was even better than this. And... Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm afraid most of you folks will, won't be able to find it anymore because it also probably has a limited uh, supply. There was still was uh, I, I was <clears throat> in, I was in the store the other day. Uh, I was in the store Thursday, and um, they still had a lot there. Oh, good. Uh, and, and in fact, I talked to the guy who stocks it there. Who you know, we converse about this all the time, and and he says, says yeah, everyone just raving about it. I uh, and he, he, you know that that rating that they put on at the diamonds. Diamonds are top. Yeah, level. yeah, that that is their top, and it's going for nineteen ninety nine at Trader Correct. Joe's. Nineteen ninety nine, and I, I, I'm going to get some more next time I go if they still have some. Yep. It, it is incredibly drinkable, though. It, it, it youth twenty twenty vintage. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's about fourteen percent alcohol. That would be a, a definitely a good one too. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, actually, I talked about some of the stuff. I talked about the H three cabs that w- that we had and uh, mentioned the fact that yeah so they being as big a winery as they, as they are they're going to have a, a lot of, a lot of acreage out there so that they have uh, stuff in the Yakima Valley the Wawaluk Slope Canoe Ridge I've had some, some of their uh, I think it was a Sauv Blanc yeah so that I had from that that is in Indian Wells Rattlesnake Hills um, and then of course you've also got the the Rieslings, and the uh, Aroica go all the way up to a uh, what what would basically be be a uh, uh, what, what, I'm trying to think what, how they called it. It was basically a small berry select version of it 
uh, very hand harvested, a very select one that uh, is, I think is going for about $50. But that was one I'd like to try sometime. But the Eroica has been a great wine for me. I, in fact, Are you talking I, about a Riesling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Smallberry Select. And then, then, then they also do a uh, truck and beer and Auslesa, uh mm. that is, and they also have an ice wine. So they, they have a whole series. And of course, they work with Dr. Lawson, who's a very well, well known uh, mm-hmm. wine guy from Germany. And in fact, he's, uh, he could have selected anyone to partner with on his Rieslings. He chose Sato Samasel. So that tells you something right, right there about the kind of quality of, of the wines they do. So yeah, I'm a big, big fan of this, of, of this winery and even their low end stuff. Uh, their dry Riesling. Yeah, my neighbor was a big fan of their dry Riesling. I think it goes for about six ninety nine. Yeah, p- most places, and yeah. that's what he only thing he really drank for a long time. I've been corrupting him lately, but <clears throat> well, it's not corruption. It's it's, it's <laughs> enriching a, your palate. I, yeah. Well, he, he, <laughs> yesterday, his his house is being remodeled, so it's stressful. Uh, and when I say remodeled, I mean every surface in every room is being redone. Paint, woodwork, carpet, mm-hmm. flooring. Mm-hmm. They're getting close to being done. He says, Walter, can I come over and have a glass of wine? <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> come on over. And I, I served him a, 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 a white uh, burgundy from Mechon. Mm. <laughs> but it used to be Saint-Michel, dry Riesling was his go-to wine. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I'm just enjoying another sip of that wonderful wine. Uh, so a- anyway, the other one that that we were going to bring, un- unfortunately, we kind of messed on time, so uh, Kevin wasn't able to join us for the, the one that, that he was bringing. And uh, so I'm going to kind of skip over that because we've actually been enjoying the white that we have here and the, and the cab. So... Um, Moving right down the list, uh, this was another interesting thing that I spotted was, uh, again, since I was looking at a lot, lot of uh, wine enthusiast stuff, they had an article from December 16th uh, that posed the question, can you take your bottle of wine back? And in, in, in fact, they even have a flow chart for this, which cracked me up. So it was like, okay, sure, w- whatever. So that was... Um, and what they were, they actually had two people weigh in on this. One, one was uh, uh, Elaine Swan. She's a lifestyle and etiquette expert based in San Diego. Uh, she says, uh, no, he says, it should be brought as a gift to say thank you for the invitation or as a nicety to celebrate you all getting together. Do not expect the host to open the gift and pour it on the spot. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you would yeah. agree with that. that yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she, she adds that the host might already plan dinner, have planned dinner and wines, and yours might not work. If it was a f- f- fillet of soil and, and you have a head knock or Shiraz, I don't think <laughs> yeah, that's right. going to work too well, right? No, when I take a wine to somebody's house, I, it's, it's, I don't even expect it to be opened. Yeah. Unless we have agreed up front, hey, I'll bring over a bottle of Chablis and we'll have a bottle of Chablis before dinner and, or champagne or something like that. Yeah, you know, bring it cold. Well, that's the only time I expect to have my yeah. wines consumed. Well, when you come to my house, you can assume, unless you had one as a gift that I'm well, going to put in the cellar, yeah. that we're going to open it. Well, yeah, but you <laughs> yeah. usually make it clear, you know, what I'm, I'm bringing it to some particular kind of food and event. And right. That's okay. 
Yeah, well, well, that's the other thing too. Is is if you ask people to bring wine, uh, a wine and the food they pair it with, uh, you would expe- expect to be opening it. And uh, the, the other one, of course, was uh, it says you don't want to be the one asking for it back. Says Leslie Post, co-president <laughs> no. of the Emily Post Institute and the great great granddaughter of the etiquette legend Emily Post. Okay, you shouldn't assume that because it didn't get opened, it's yours to take. Uh, and, and of course, they had the, the, the flow chart to go with it. But part of what brought this up for 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 me was uh, when, when we had the uh, party at, at my house and uh, Keith Powell, uh, you know, Keith yes, had know Keith. Had, uh, had had brought a wonderful um, champagne, uh, 2004. And you know, at the, we, we were opening everything else, and at, at the end, he says, well, we didn't open that. I, I said, oh. I, so I, I, I later said, Keith, let me know when you and Martha can come by. Right. We're going to open that wine and enjoy it together. But with all the rabble in there, we're, we're going to just you know, just open it then. It, it really deserved to be open, especially just by itself. Uh, a, a Grand Cru from 04. Yeah, I think that's one you want to savor with just a couple of good well, friends. It's also getting it's getting up there. I I got a magnum of Palm Door '04 yeah. a few years ago at a restaurant, and it was uh, starting getting, to go getting past its prime. Yep. Now, well, we aren't going to wait any longer. It well, I don't yeah. know. I, that, I basically told I don't you. have any that old anymore. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that this one was the label you could barely read on some of it, and I said, uh, Keith, get over here. We're going to open this wine, <laughs> but I want you to be here to enjoy part of it. So, that 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 was part of brought that on, and of course the other thing that that I did recently, which was kind of fun, uh, was we had a uh, our our American Wine Society uh, Christmas party was on the fifth, and uh, they they asked me to to do a kind of a holiday party trivia contests okay okay and uh so actually the ones who who did the best who scored 11 out of the 20 was my wife barbara and i didn't put her up to this she just (laughs) that they were just really uh, having a good time but anyway it's actually a mix of uh wine questions and a couple of them fairly obscure i think and and also uh Besides wine questions, it also includes uh, Christmas movie questions and a couple that I couldn't answer because I like the older movies. Like you and I could probably tell you all the actors in some of the older movies, but newer ones, not so much. So what's the most widely planted red grape variety grown in Italy? Sangiovese would be Sangiovese, exactly. Okay. And the most widely planted white grape variety in Italy I don't know. That, Vecchio? You know, no, that, that one is Trebbiano Toscana. Uh, it's also known as Uni Blanc in France, ah. which you know, and it's typically used for cognacs, yeah, brandies. There are 2,000 varieties of grapes grown in Italy, I believe, roughly. Yeah, at, at least, yeah. <clears throat> and, 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 of course, it's sometimes, it, well, it, it's, what, what they do, and I, that's true a, a lot of the, of the old world, is that they understand that even though it may be the same grape DNA, uh, it's planted in a special area yeah, it makes it that big. is going to change and alter it, and it's not <clears> going <throat> to taste the same. And they, they, you know, so like the uh, Pugnalo Gentile is the name that they use for the same Sangiovese grape in the Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, okay? okay, for example. 
I don't know where that one came from, but there it is. <laughs> no, but they do differ. I mean, uh, Brunello. They, they are absolutely. Uh, Brunello de Montalcino, which is a Sangiovese, is different than a Chianti grown in another region. Yeah. So the and the the, the most widely planted red grape variety in the world, Cabernet. Cabernet. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so the next one was who played the role of Papa Elf in Elf the movie. I saw that movie once. That was all I, I don't needed think to I've see. Seen it. No. James Caan. Well, no, actually, it was. Uh, who who oh, was it? That's right. Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart. Very good. <laughs> Damn. What's, what was the movie? Uh, uh, Elf. 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 I don't think the, I've the, seen the movie. that one. Okay. Okay. What year was the original Miracle on 34th Street released? 46. Close. 47. I was going to guess yeah. about that time, yes. Yeah. And Edmund Gwen, of course, who played Santa, the classic one, he got an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for that. Well, he was really supporting the, the whole thing. And the other one that I watched is the remake in 1994. In fact, I watched that one just recently with uh, Richard Admiral playing. Uh, I haven't seen the remake. Yeah. I've it's, seen it's, the original many, many times. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. It, it's, it's also very good. The uh, interesting... A little side note on, on that is uh, the uh, director, I can't think of his name right now, but he became very good friends with Ed Gwynn. And, and when uh, Edmund Gwynn was in his final illness, he died, passed away in 1959, uh, he was visiting him and, and uh, when they said it looked like he wasn't going to make it, he came by and he came in and he said, Teddy, he said, that was his, his, uh, his, his uh, he almost tripped over the wine. <laughs> that, that, that was his uh, nickname for it. He, he says, this must be awful hard. I have a little short movie story for you. Wait, I'm, I'm not. Let, okay. let me finish right. this. Okay, and and he says this must be really hard. And Ed opened his one good eye, and he says, he says, dying is easy. It's comedy that's hard. <laughs> his last statement, the last thing he said, it's a famous line that a lot of people have heard of. Yeah. Dying is easy. Comedy is hard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, what reindeer was the number second in line behind Rudolph? I don't know. Okay, well, you, if if you could play the song, or if you could hum the the song, uh, "Twas the Night Before Christmas," that would be Dasher. Most kids could could answer that one because they yeah, would probably. Now that you mentioned that, yeah, you get on <laughs> Dasher, on Donner, on Blitzen, and so forth. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, now, it's, now it's ringing a bell. But. <laughs> <clears throat> at least, at least a bell. And uh, the next one is: What is the most southern wine region in the world? Tasmania, maybe. I was thinking Tasmania or Patagonia, uh, the, you know, the, just, just down below uh, the M Mendoza area, because that goes down fairly far. Um, and in fact, it is central Ontago in the South Island of New Zealand. Ah, okay. And when I looked at it, I found Tasmania was actually higher uh, than that. Yeah, I would have thought Tasmania was below yeah. New Zealand. Yeah, so it, it's, um, it is the, the most southernmost commercial wine-growing region, uh, mostly known for their Pinot Noir and their Rieslings, and I've had some that are really excellent, mm. by the way. Uh, Patagonia was, was close. It was, it, was, uh, it, it was probably about, oh, may, maybe three, three miles higher than it. But, yeah, th th those are the ones you would expect. Tasmania, I thought, and then Patagonia. For some reason, I didn't think of the southern island of New Zealand, but it really does go pretty far down. So there you go. The most northern one I think most people would have difficulty with, 
That's uh, that is is in Norway. Believe it or not, I, I am surprised. I was thinking England, maybe, or yeah, maybe yeah. Canada. Yeah, Canada. I've got thought, or even Alaska. I well, I lived up in Anchorage for for two and a half years, and there were wineries down in the southern boot the tip, whatever, near British Columbia. But I oh don't, yeah, I don't remember any up in the mainland. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, this is one I wouldn't have got, but uh, Lerkakasa Vineyard. Uh, mm. It's in Norway's Flatdal region. It's about two-hour drive southwest uh, of the capital of Oslo. And actually, I probably bicycled close, close to where this was. Uh, when I was teaching classes there, I brought my bike. And, in fact, I burned a triple crank going through all the steep, you know, the fjords. With climate but, change, though, they're going to be migrating northward. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's a good thing. It means we're going to have more wine. Well, well, I, I mean, there's there's some trouble in like some of the. They had a very poor year in France and in Germany and Italy this year. Yeah, I, I, but that 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 was weather related, not yes. a general trend. It well, was, it may be. We don't know. Yeah, no, but you know, for for instance, the Loire Valley, uh, the Cab Francs there, are showing a lot better than they had in the past. Um, and uh, I remember when I first got into wine, which was, by the way, in late 60s uh bordeaux struggled to reach 12 and a half percent alcohol because of the climate in fact i'd read that a lot of the people lied about their alcohol levels they weren't 12 and a half or they added sugar chaptalization something like that yeah now they're not having that trouble they're getting 13 14 percent on a regular basis yeah which is you know it's it's but it's like everything a winemaker uh, and, and you know the the grape growers, if it's a vinifera, uh, is they're they're doing both, right? And they're they're totally aware of the weather every year. They're 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 more in touch with weather than almost anyone else. Well, farmers, uh, and yeah. so that's an adjustment you make every year for what you've got the crop and and everything. So you're constantly doing that. That's not something. Okay, we're set. Everything. We don't have to worry about anything. Everything's going to be fine every year. No, it's not. Every year. Vintage is different, as as we know, particularly in the old world. Vintage is really important. Uh, it's not quite as important here, uh, at, well, at least in California, because you can get good stuff almost any year. But and of course, then again, uh, the other thing is the smoke taint problem and that we've had. Late recently. frost can be a problem. Rick, yep. Rick Hobson at Milagro had a little bit of trouble this year with the late frost in some oh, yeah. of his vineyards. Yeah, well, that, that that is definitely one of the things that we one of the things I've mentioned before in the in the past is is here we do have a challenge with weather here because of the the, the late frost that we can get. So, for instance, we we can actually uh, he, he does the Zinfandel really nicely. Uh, uh, the uh, the Primitivo uh, clone wouldn't be very good here because it's a very early uh, harvesting, and so it, it would probably be zapped in. Uh, Maybe one out of every three years you get lucky, but probably wouldn't be the best thing in the world. Okay, let's see. Um, the, the the other one I had that a lot of people had trouble with, but you probably wouldn't, what is the apparatus used for the disgorgement process in Métaux Champenois? Métaux Champenois. What's the apparatus? That, that they use. Just before you do the disgorgement. I, I know what you're talking about, yep. but I, I don't... They pull the cork and pop it out, and they freeze it. Yeah. Well, it's it's how they get the bottle t- all the way down below. 
the riddling process, yeah. and they have the riddling rack. Right. That's that's the process I was oh, re okay. referring to. I thought yeah. you were talking about what they do to stick it in the. Oh. The, they they freeze the neck. That's yeah. how they do it. But I don't. I see, usually I'm good at question. Maybe I, maybe this one was <laughs> not good. But anyways, what does the apparatus use uh, for the disgorgement process? Because before you do that, you have to turn the bottle. A quarter turn a day for umpteen months. Yeah. yeah. Which it, it's all all done mechanically now. Yeah. Oh, really? But the, the interesting thing, because uh, when I was talking about the sparkling wine and talking about the different processes, um, they don't use the same process uh, for the large format bottles. And that's why if you had a if, if you had a uh, really large format, a Jeroboam or, or larger. Yeah, I've uh, never had one. Magnum is the biggest bottle it, I've ever had. Yeah, it, it, it would break your uh, your uh, rack very quickly <laughs> yeah. and it was just like you want me to turn over a 30 liter bottle of no i'm not going to do it that would be the melchizedek 30 liters yeah it also weigh a lot i couldn't lift it oh yeah no no one could uh the the larger ones they usually have a, a special uh it almost looks like something you would put a cannon on you know uh, what I've seen, but they mount this thing on it so that they can turn it. And if you buy it the large format, they also have a sommelier who will be there to open it for <laughs> you, okay? Because you're spending a lot of money for yeah. one of those. But anyway, I guess we're probably pushing close on <clears throat> to time. Uh, let's see, what else we had? Uh, in the movie Home Alone, where the, where the McAllister's going on vacation when they leave Kevin behind? Someplace you and I would love to go. France. Yeah, and more particularly, Paris. Paris, okay. <laughs> of course. Uh, in the movie A Christmas Story, this one I added, of course, what was the box labeled fragile and what happened to it? <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. Well, uh, actually, the old man called it fragile. And he says, it must be Italian. And, 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 and his wife said, no, no, I think it means fragile. That was where the leg lamp was oh, in. Oh, the leg lamp. Okay. The leg lamp. And I do have a leg lamp. That's how sick I am. But, yeah, so. Can I tell you my little short Christmas story? Absolutely. I was in a Bible study this week, Tuesday, and we had coffee before. And one of the people there was a piano teacher. And, and I said, oh, I studied piano for six months. I got lessons. And I'm playing a Christmas carol. Over every time I made a mistake, I'd start over again. And I was playing it from a hymnal. Right. And finally, my mother comes out and yells at me, Would you stop playing that song? I not only stopped playing that song, I never played the piano again. <laughs> and then somebody else said, Oh, that's from the movie. It's a good, it's a wonderful life with a Jimmy Stewart and whatnot. Apparently, right, right. his wife or he did the same thing to one of his daughters. Stop playing that song over and over again. Ah, okay. So yeah, that's, I, that's... I, I got connected to a Christmas story this week. Yeah, well, uh, we in our house, we usually watch a lot. My whole family are they were Christmas nuts. Uh, my, my late sister, she had uh, one house. They had, they had three Christmas trees in it. Three. 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 Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh, yeah. One in, in the living room, uh, one in the, yeah, it was a big house that had the, had the butler's pantry and everything in it. Uh, so they went crazy. Well, we have several, actually. We have one, not real big tree, but, you know, the, ever, the kind, it's a artificial and you put it up. But my wife has lots of little Christmas trees all over the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, have we have a couple of those. 
Absolutely. Uh, so um, let's see. Oh, well, th this is, I'm just going to skip down here a little bit. Which one was used to toast both the signing of the Declaration of Independence and George Washington's inauguration? Don't know. Okay, Madeira. Ah. Okay, that one I I I I knew because I was when I was talking about the Madeira. I mentioned that it's a, it's a, it, it was definitely a favorite of the it of the, was in the, the, yeah, the founding in the fathers. Times it was a yeah. favorite. Now, why I think it is though is, uh, the uh, British seizure of John Hancock's sloop, the Liberty, on 9th of May, 1768, after he had unloaded a cargo of 25 pipes. That's 3,150 gallons of Madeira, and it was seized by the British for import taxes. That <laughs> caused a riot. That was way more than tea. I mean, you know, I'm not going to complain about tea going in the water, but you put wine in there. Now you're <clears throat> really asking for trouble. So it, 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 it had, uh, it, not only was it in the signing, but it also was part of what caused the Revolutionary War to start. I'm convinced that was the that was the key. <laughs> it's like okay, okay, that that that's it. Now you've gone too far. <laughs> so anyway, we probably exceeded our t our time here a little bit, but um, it's great having you here again, Walter. Uh, if there's the only way we can get together, we'll just keep doing it the radio show. <laughs> well, you both seem to have been busy. I've been busy getting ready for the tax season. I guess. Oh yeah, I got myself yeah. IRS certified the other day, so I've got that out of the way, but. It's, it's always something. Always something for sure. But anyway, the uh, we we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Or Happy Holidays if you prefer the non-denominational form of it. Anyway, the, the main thing is getting together with your family and your good friends and celebrating another year we've survived. And uh, just get to in, enjoy that, share the love and the warmth of, of this season. That's what we wish for all of you out there at the the uh, Spears of New Mexico on the Rock of Talk. So we, we just finished with um, the uh, Madeira wine. And so the, the one of the other questions that we asked, this is of the for the uh, Christmas party we had for American Wine Society. Uh, so of course we'd have a quiz on, on wine is what does the term non-vintage mean? And I was, uh, I, I hoped everyone got that one right. Uh, There's no specified vintage. Yeah, no, no specified Usually vintage. a blend of multiple years. Exactly. In fact, so someone will call it multiple vintages yeah. uh, just because they'll say, what do you mean there was no vintage here? <laughs> so like, so it, it does confuse some people and that's the envy you see on, on a lot of sparkling wines. Uh, and in a lot of cases, um, it can actually be one of their most expensive wines because they're they're holding different years to come up with what they call their own house cuvee is, is their special wine and they might select the best grapes from each different year to, to make that wine so the normally it is a vintage wine that's the most expensive but well, a, a champagne, lot. some of the champagne houses like Veuve Clicquot yeah they try to get a consistency of flavor and taste by multiplying uh, using multiple vintages right and that's not a cheap wine i think veuve clicquot now is r roughly 70 bucks a bottle mm -hmm. it's a good champagne uh but it's uh, I, i'm not as happy drinking that as i am a really good 30 35 bottle of champagne and there are those out there in the market oh, yeah. available yeah there are 
plenty of good ones. And, and of course, uh, most people are familiar with the Gruyere, and most of their wines are the non-vintage. Yes. Although they, they do have a few that are. And uh, we can actually score, uh, you, you can do more vintage years in the U.S. than you can in, well, champagne, uh, champagne areas really high up in the north area. So, you know, g getting a good harvest e every year. Yeah, I don't know how often, but, you know, I think 04 was a vintage year, 08 was a vintage year. Yeah. Or, I don't know, something more recent like 12 or yeah. 13 was a vintage year. I don't, what, about every four or five years they get yeah. a vintage year? Yeah. It's probably more consistent now because it is warmer uh, weather, so, so they can get more consistent. In fact, they're, they're doing some still wines now, which they hadn't done for a, a while. Which, which I is, is very interesting. In other words, they're they're getting the at, at least some Pinot Noir to a point where they're making still offering still wines from it. They had a terrible year in 2021 uh, due to frosts and storms and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. That would don't, I know, don't know what's going to happen to the prices, but my guess is up, uh, up and and also transportation. Uh, Issues that are bottling out, out costs there. are going up. Yeah, yeah. It, so. it, it even getting the Nouveau Beaujolais was uh, more of a challenge for a lot of places th this year. So, so yeah, that's that's one of the other things you need to factor in along with everything else. Uh, so, this next question was, what is the best-selling Christmas song ever? Hmm. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. White Christmas. White You're Christmas. close. Okay. Bing Crosby, White Christmas. White Christmas. But yeah. he does say, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, doesn't he? He I does. Mean, Actually, okay. you're right. So, so I'll, I'll, sings I'll, it. I'll, sings it. Mm. I'll, I'll say that, that you got that one right. Okay. <laughs> uh, what country has the largest area of active vineyards? Hmm. Mm, I guess it would be France. A little south of that, Spain. Spain? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's been the case for a while. Uh, they, they are really passionate about their wine there, yeah. which is another reason I love them. Um, and this one you probably would know, though. What country is the Douro wine region located? Spain. Spain. Actually, it's Portugal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, Douro River. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, which, which is where the port comes from. Uh, and uh, that that's all, yeah, that's... Uh, it's it's also uh, the, where you get the Toriga Nacional grape, and you've, have you had any uh, still wines made with the Toriga? Yes, it's that's pretty yeah. spectacular. It, it that's really starting to come in. A lot of people are now just getting that because that's only one of the grapes they use in the port, but it's quite wonderful. Okay, it's, it's also it's also used here in the United States. I have some. Uh, I've been in some wine clubs, which do feature that grape in their ports like tobin james and uh, a couple others i don't remember the others yeah. offhand but i've it is used here in the united states okay there's four different grapes that are used in the port wine interesting yeah a, a lot of them uh in california were just using uh zinfandel grape to make a port uh just by itself and actually there's another one up in napa i can't think of the name of it right now but they 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 just that's all they do is is uh, port wines, and uh, including a white port, and they use the Petite Syrah grape, and they made some really excellent ports from it. They were in the, you know the ninety dollar range. Well, I just remembered another one was Raymond Burr. That's the guy who played Perry Mason. Oh yeah. Uh, his winery. I bought a. I still have it. Of two thousand five, port. Mm. 
it was made with the four Portuguese groups. So maybe when you're over sometime, you might remind me, and we might find that and fetch it. And oh yeah, give it a taste. I, I can served, even do that without a cigar. <laughs> I served a, a Croft 07 port a couple of weeks ago at a tasting. And it was a late bottled vintage port. Yeah, yeah that's oh, that that's, was really great. Yeah. Uh, some of the people that were at the tasting had never had port before. They go, wow. Oh. This is really this is dessert by itself, and it's a dessert wine. Well, it is. It is. It, it actually goes great with Stilton, by the way. Yes. Okay. <laughs> even, even though that might not be your first choice. Well, but. we had a cheeses and crackers and chocolates available, but I didn't have Stilton available. Yeah. Yeah. The other uh, wines that, that I like are the late harvest uh, Zinfandel wines. Yes. Which yeah, I like those too. They 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 can be as high in alcohol, but not fortified. And so you really get the taste of the Zinfandel grape, an intense version of it. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't do it every year, but uh, the one I just got was from so Sobon, uh, a half bottle. That was actually pretty reasonably priced, so I'm going to enjoy that on Christmas, too. So. Yeah, Tobin Jane's, I'm in their club, and they, yep. they do a late bottled Zinfandel yep. also, and somebody else, I don't It's uh, Liquid Love is yes. what he calls liquid it. Liquid Love, right. Liquid Love. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's also <laughs> really good. Uh, let's see. Where did the, the term honeymoon originate? Don't know. Okay. This is another one I, that I put in there. Uh, so it's, uh, it's actually derived from a Scandinavian practice of drinking mead or fermented honey during the first month of the marriage, measured by one moon cycle, uh, in order to improve the likelihood of conception. <laughs> Seriously, and I'm thinking, what you had the drink to 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 come to the the the, the, the marriage bed? What kind of a thing is that? I don't know. <laughs> well, the first time I learned about that actually was um, was was one of the uh, Bargetto Winery in in uh, uh, Bargetto down in. I think the tasting room was in Monterey, this this city of it, um, and. We did an extensive uh, tasting there. Uh, we this was many many years ago when we really had a lot of a lot of extra uh, cash we could spend on things, and we ended up getting about 14 cases from there. The last case we got was a case of the mead, and when we got back home, we tried some of that, and we thought, "What were we thinking?" Oh, I know, this was the last one we tasted, so we decided to try to give away as much as we could. So I stayed away from it ever since then. But anyway, that's where that term came from. And then, of course, the last one, which anyone who's been to Hawaii probably knows, is how do you say Merry Christmas in Hawaiian? Well, I've been there a couple of times, but I never learned that. No, I wasn't okay. there at Christmas. Malikalikamaka. Malikalikamaka is the thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the uh, land where palm trees sway. That's from the song. Oh. What does it translate as? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Of course it does. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, Walter, I want to thank you for bringing me a gift. You're welcome. And uh, I want to share it with our audience because uh, with all things that age, they do get better with age, like both Jim and Walter, for sure. <laughs> and and I should say, after sharing my story, my testimony with Jim and Walter, myself too, I think uh, there's a lot to be said for that. The growth, the personal growth over the last year and things, I think have been oh, yeah. absolutely tremendous. I think, Jim, you've been bore witness to a lot of that. 
I absolutely have. And uh, we've got, uh, well, the El Dorado. Uh, this is a, a beautiful wine uh, by Uvaggio. It is the 2016 Montaña Nera red wine out of El Dorado. And, of course, El Dorado means gold, right? The city of gold, yes. I think. Yep. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, Walter writes in his notes, uh, by the way, El Dorado is an AVA in the Sierra foothill east of Sacramento. And uh, Walter uses a website called Wine Searcher Pro, which oh, yeah. I have not heard of before. That, that's a good one. Yeah. So here we go. This is a blend. Uh, this is going to pair well with some uh, rosemary lamb. I almost feel like you and I should and wait, figure out a day that you and I can get together and eat a little bit of lamb together. Your lamb is amazing, exquisite, uh, Jim. I mean, there's nothing like it. Uh, you, of course, know the last time you and I ate lamb. I think I got the lion's share of that. Yeah, I, I remember that. I was, I was thinking I need to get a bigger lamb next time. <laughs> yeah, I will uh, consume lamb uh, hoof to hoof, I guess, if you will. All right, so uh, uh, Jim, uh, uh, Jim's wonderful friend and now my friend, Walter Blood, I believe this is his fourth time being here uh, in the Kiva. I think he's brought wine to me three separate times, not to mention uh, made a wonderful donation, not just to the radio station, but Walter also donated to my campaign for mayor. Yep. So I wanted to uh, thank you, Walter, for doing that. I don't know. I don't know what he sees in me, but uh, must be something. Uh, anyway, uh, Jesus is the reason for the season, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to remember, Christ is in Christmas, and uh, always say Merry Christmas and or Malakiliki Maha, where I traveled with one Jim Hammond, a very very special trip out to the wonderful, beautiful island of Kauai in Hawaii, where we got to sample the original. The original American-grown coffee. All right, so Eldorado USA, $28 in this. Rich and intense, rare, wet, red blend wine. Pairs well with lamb. Uh, the uh, blend is 53% Zinfandel. Ooh, we love our hot and sweet Zin. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, the seven deadly Zins, if you will. Uh, yeah, it, that's not the best wine, by the way, just so you know. Uh, then there is the uh, 37% uh, Barbera and the 10% mm. mixed reds. Only two critics have rated the El Dorado. The 2016 Vintage was given a score of 92 by one enthusiast. And then uh, you had, uh, and this is a comparatively inexpensive uh, 2016. The price has been stable over the past year. It has held up. Uh, you can store from 2023 until 2036 in this red blend. So it means it's strong, sturdy, and robust. So there you go, folks. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the Sierra foothills are, it, are just wonderful. It is drinking nicely now, especially if you let it air a little bit. But mm. if you can put it away and drink it five years from now. There you go. Walter, Merry Christmas to you. Jim, Merry Christmas to you. But I'll, of course, see you next week for our final Christmas show. Right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Into the Kiva, AM 1600 KIV, dot com. Stay tuned. Uh, more great talk when you return. The stars above in your eyes. A fantabulous night to make romance. Need the cover of October skies. Get all the leaves on the trees.